Good morning. It's Thursday, January 9th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. I'm Connor Tapp, and I'm joined today by Trey Scott. Today on the podcast, Trey and I are talking Severed Pinkies, Brady Hoke, and as always, the transfer portal. Trey, let's get things rolling with one of the weirdest stories we've ever talked about, I think it's safe to say, on this podcast. For sure. Uh, it was a bad news day in Athens, Georgia. And we could start with the fact that quarterback Jake Fromm declared for the NFL draft, a, a story we waited all morning for. But that would be bearing the lead. The story of note at Georgia is that former five-star offensive lineman Cade Mays is entering the transfer portal, and he's expected to land at Tennessee once all that's finalized. And on its own, this is major because he's an 11-game starter on one of the best offensive lines in the country, a line that's losing a ton to the NFL, and he's going to an SEC East rival. But that's not it. The circumstances here are outrageous. According to a document obtained by 24-7 Sports from the Clark County Courthouse, Mays' father, Kevin Mays, had to have part of his finger amputated at a Georgia event and is suing the school. The events from 2017, 2017, uh, when, when Cade was on an official visit, and it's just now hitting the news today, so you know, read into that how you will. Let me read from the document really quickly. Uh, Plaintiff Kevin Mays caught his finger in the hinge of a folding chair. And I'm going to keep going, and, and if, you, if you're squeamish or nauseous, maybe don't listen. As a result, Kevin Mays' right pinky finger was partially amputated as the folding chair wedged against the column. His severed finger shot across the floor. Not done yet. Georgia offensive line coach Sam Pittman picked up the plaintiff's severed finger and it was put on ice. Unquote. They go to the hospital. They're unable to reattach the severed portion of Kevin Mays' pinky finger. He reports a pain on a 10 out of 10 scale uh, as a 10. And he's also uh, suing the chair company, which is Mighty Light. So this is super strange and super weird and very SEC and almost like at the word, like it's hard to even be surprised by this stuff anymore, but it's very clear that this is going to be at the center of Cade Mays' appeal to play immediately in Knoxville. And Connor, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on that. Do you think this is going to fly? Do you think this is ridiculous? Well, I mean, first of all, as a person who has uh, recovered from a partially severed finger, I'm very glad that you were the one who had to read the details of that story because just reading it without even having to talk about it was like very disturbing and upsetting to me earlier. Um, But, you know, as far as whether this helps this case for Tennessee, I mean, the fact that you and I can look at it and see what a transparent play it is to just get immediate playing time, hopefully... Hopefully we're beyond that when it comes to the the transfer portal and all that. We did see them kind of clamp down on some of these circumstances where it seemed like clear free agency. Like maybe this is something that would have worked back in the day of um, Tate Martell transferring for Ohio State to Miami. But I, I, I mean, the thing is, and we talked about this so much this offseason, what is written down in the rules as far as what makes you eligible to play immediately versus what the NCAA decides to do, it seems like there's no clear connection between the two things. So honestly, as far as that goes, who knows? Um, I mean, this this 
it's Cade Mays. Let's roll back a little bit here. I mean, Cade Mays, he was the guy, in case that name sounds familiar, uh, I think he first became kind of like a well mainstream recruiting story because his dad very famously pulled the Tennessee bumper sticker off of his car and replaced it with a Georgia one. That's the same guy, right? Yeah. So Cade Mays' dad played at Tennessee. Cade Mays was a longtime Tennessee commit from Knoxville under Butch Jones. And, and that all kind of goes down and, and Cade decommits from Tennessee and opens it back up to Georgia and Clemson. And Tennessee fans hated Cade Mays. He was the traitor, the villain. He goes to Georgia and of course now, of course now, you know they're all in on this. And Tennessee could have a loaded offensive line if Cade Mays is eligible to play, regardless of what Trey Smith does. Cade Mays's younger brother Cooper just signed with Tennessee, so maybe the Mays family says something about the brothers playing at home. Maybe they use the NCAA in their waiver. They talk about how aforementioned coach Sam Pittman, Sam Pittman, is now the Arkansas mm. head coach. I also wonder. And look, if you're gonna if you're gonna hold on to uh, something like this for three years, and then release it the day that your son's transferring, then I'm also going to be allowed to speculate: Is it possible that this is some sort of quid pro quo, where it's hey, if you recommend, hey George, if you recommend to the NCAA that Cade can play immediately, we drop mm. this lawsuit. Yeah, wow. right. Because if the if the school that's losing the players kind of submits this letter of recommendation, I guess that, yeah, we're cool with this. Then you have a better chance. So that's interesting. Who knows? I'm not putting anything beyond this family. Yeah. It's not often you see a, a a player in a situation where they have any leverage on the school whatsoever in this kind of situation. So it'd be interesting to see what, if any role that has to play. So kind of wild that there was a story that came together that was wild enough to upstage Jake from making the decision to forego his final season of eligibility and enter the NFL draft. You know, Trey, this feels like we've been talking all year about whether Jake Fromm will go pro. And maybe it, we're, I think we're all kind of leaning that way based on his performance in the SEC title game last year. You think, okay, he can build on that and really be not just a game manager type of guy for Georgia, but really take a next step and show that he is capable of – being a good quarterback at the next level. And, uh, I mean, what happened in 2019 was he – I think it's – you could you could make the argument that it was the worst year of his collegiate career so far. Um, now, a lot of that it – was, it was very up and down the last five games of the season and the SEC title game. He was under 50% passing. But then he comes back in the, uh, in the Sugar Bowl and turns in a performance against Baylor – uh, not only statistically impressive, but just making some throws that you're like, wow, okay, yeah. So this is, these are the moments that had us thinking that 2019 could be a really big year for Jake from. It didn't really work out that way. And now Georgia's not, I, I don't want to make it seem like it's dire, like they're at a crossroads, but they're just kind of at this point in Kirby Smart's run in Athens where some of these, this first wave of guys uh, that kind of defined his early success or leaving the program. And now, at least on the offensive side of the ball, you've got a lot of turnover. And, you know, maybe I was, I was listening to the Junkyard Dogcast uh, with Kip Adams and Jake Rowe today, kind of given their instant reactions to this news. And I, I almost kind of detected a hint of 
I, I don't want to call it optimism in their voice, but when you have a when you had an offense that, despite so many good pieces, despite this like historically great offensive line and some of the skilled talent around them, and just for whatever reason, it wasn't. It never really came together. Maybe with some turnover on the offensive coaching staff. Maybe with kind of having to hit the reset button at basically every position except wide receiver. Now, maybe you get an opportunity to kind of remake this offense into something that's a little bit more functional in the modern SEC. Yeah, they. I'm sure Kirby Smart would love a mulligan on how he handled the offense and the quarterback position the last year with Justin Fields, no longer waiting in the wings, of course, under Jake or behind Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm has to go down as far as this past decade goes as one of the more polarizing players in college football. I mean, I was shocked when he popped up on preseason draft boards as a top 10 pick or a number one overall pick. I mean, that was stunning to me that 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 people would have that thought of Jake Fromm, who I would view as a game manager. And each time we kept saying, all right, let's see if George will unleash Jake Fromm and let him, let him go for it. The results were poor. I mean, he only had five interceptions all year. But three came in that loss to South Carolina. Two came to the loss to LSU. Georgia lost games more often than not because Jake Fromm, because of his arm. And we talk this year as well about his lack of receiving options. That was Georgia's massive concern headed into the year, and it was their massive concern ending the year. And they had a nice showing by George Pickens in the in the Sugar Bowl. But if you're going to talk about his lack of options at receiver, you probably should juxtapose that with playing behind an historically talented offensive line. So who is the real Jake Fromm? I have no idea. CBS Sports just ranked him as the number six draft eligible quarterback. So wow. we'll see. Yeah, maybe that's a second round pick. Maybe that's behind Jacob Easton. As far as going forward for Georgia, they can't they cannot let what could be a, a, an elite defense next fall go to waste. So that means that they're going to scour the grad transfer quarterback market because quarterback depth right here is shaky. You've got Stetson Bennett, Dewan Mathis, and incoming freshman Carson Beck. I wouldn't want any of those three guys trying to win me an SEC East title next year, which is Georgia's floor. So Rusty Manziel of Dogs 24-7 says, keep an eye on Wake Forest Jamie Newman. Dual threat type. Is Kirby Smart ready to open the offense up yet? If he is, finally, then, then Newman could be the guy KJ Costello, by way of Stanford, could be an option. But expect Georgia to be very active in the grad transfer quarterback market. And unless LSU starts hunting for options too, like if they if they decide Miles Brennan isn't the answer, then Georgia would be the primo destination for any grad transfer quarterback. Yeah, it's been a really interesting time for Georgia with Zach Evans being released from his NLI, uh, but also getting some good news with some big defensive players, including Richard LeCount, deciding to come back for next season. And then the end of Jake Fromm's career, who ultimately probably go down as like a bit of a Rorschach test for Georgia fans. Like you could look at it one, squint your eyes one way, and man, what a great career, squint it. Squinted, squinted his career another way, and man, what a what a disappointment! Never really reached his potential. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we got Brady Hoke back in the head coaching business, and also an update on the transfer portal and players making decisions about whether they are going to enter the 2020 NFL Draft. 
Welcome back to the College Football Daily. Brady Hoke is a head coach for the first time since 2014. After longtime San Diego State head coach Rocky Long announced his retirement on Wednesday. Long had been the Aztecs head coach since the 2011 season, earning a promotion from defensive coordinator after then-up-and-coming head coach Brady Hoke left SDSU to replace Rich Rodriguez at Michigan. After his firing from Michigan in 2014, Hoke bounced around from short-lived stints at Oregon, Tennessee, and the Carolina Panthers before landing back in San Diego as defensive line coach in 2019, just in time to be in position to earn that call-up back to the big time when his former assistant stepped down. So kind of closing the circle on the rise and fall of one of the uh, last decade's uh, up-and-coming coaching stars who's now kind of back where he started. This is, if it wasn't for Cade Mays and Jake Fromm, this would be the what the WTF story of the day. Because Brady Hoke didn't, I didn't know he still existed. Like, <laughs> the yeah, guy made a career of getting fired after one year at each certain job. Like, he was a meme yeah. at, at some point. So, this is just stunning. And honestly, I was so exhausted by the Cade Mays and the Jake Fromm news today that I was like, hey, Connor, Brady Hoke's back. And you're like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So he's fired in 2014 from Michigan, and then in 2016 he's back at he he has he's Oregon's defensive coordinator brought in to kind of save uh, that regime. Didn't work out. That staff is fired. Then he comes in for Butch Jones as an assistant. That doesn't work out. And he's fired. I guess he got out of the Carolina Panthers one year before they let go of Ron Rivera. But yeah, he was kind of living a cursed life there for a little while and you know one one more thing on rocky long i the reports today are saying that he's retiring earlier in the week there were there was some word going around that maybe he was looking around for a a defensive coordinator gig so i I don't i don't know if that's still a possibility maybe he's just he's he's about to turn 70 so maybe he's looking for less responsibility or maybe now he's just kind of content to ride off into the sunset after having you know a, a really nice career uh building some really great defenses there at san diego state and I actually, I have one more Brady Hoke note. When he was at Tennessee mm. and Butch Jones was fired, he was the interim coach. And in his last two games, oh, dismisses right. dismisses Juwan Jennings, like oh, which is then, just so totally not something. Yeah, which is not something the interim coach should do. Juwan Jennings <laughs> eventually gets reinstated by Jeremy Pruitt and goes on to be oh, uh, some Tennessee fans' favorite vol, one of their favorite right. vols of the decade too. So, all right, we'll keep it moving here. I'm going to go portaling and NFL or not in uh, Memphis starting quarterback Brady White announced. Late Wednesday, he's not going to transfer, and there was some speculation he could follow Mike Norvell to Florida State. Wisconsin wide receiver Aaron Crookshank, you might remember him. He had a kick return for a touchdown in the Rose Bowl versus Oregon. He's in the portal. Notre Dame backup quarterback Phil Dracovic, a former four-star recruit in the class of 2018, he's in the portal. Indiana offensive lineman Cole Cronk, one of the best tackles in football, He's in the portal. Keep an eye on him. Could be a massive land for somebody. And then reserve Alabama running back Jerome Ford is in the portal. On to the NFL, guys. Texas A&M was mildly surprised to see receiver Kendrick Rogers and defensive back Debion Renfro declare for the draft. And let's end our podcast with this for Georgia. Finally, some good news. Linebacker Monty Rice announced he will be back for his senior season. All right, well, that is going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Friday. We'll be previewing the national title game for Monday uh, on the next edition of the College Football Daily.